0: A new month uh, here in March, and so we've got our new Baptist breads there available for you. And uh, these are just some little daily uh, meditations on the Word of God. And, uh, you know me, I don't, I don't like the word devotions uh, uh, because of the Bible shows us the only time we see the word devotion used, it's used uh, uh, towards paganism. And it's kind of interesting how we kind of take things and we say them one way, but in the Word of God it uses it different. We've kind of modernized stuff. Uh, but the only people you see having devotion in the Word of God uh, are pagans and they're serving idols. And I thought that's interesting. Amen. But the Bible tells us we're to meditate on His law. Amen. We're to meditate on his uh, word and so uh, I encourage you to take one of these and uh, like we call this is our this is our uh, uh, shot of coffee this is your spiritual coffee in the morning amen it's not enough to sustain you you need to be in the word more than just this but it'll wake you up and it'll encourage you amen and so that'll be a good thing those are back there on the back table and then remember grab a grab a track this week we've got our challenge handout one track And invite one person to church. If everybody here will do that, then uh, I believe the Lord will reward with some souls. Amen? And that's what it's all about. So make sure. And uh, you go to lunch. Take and leave a tip. Now listen. Now, let me, let me go ahead and tell you, because I, I've waited tables before, and I, I've got friends that... Listen, if you're not going to leave a good tip, please don't leave our church track. Amen? Please don't tell people where you go to church if you're not going to tip well. All right? They don't need to know. Listen. Amen? Amen. All right. Don't look at me like a calf at a new gate. This is what... Amen. Let's leave a good tip, all right? Single mom trying to raise some babies, you're going to leave a dollar, all right? Just don't leave this. That's a bad testimony, all right? Uh, and so that's not to encourage you not to leave a track, just in case you're wondering. That's to encourage you to leave a bigger tip, all right? Uh, leave a good tip for you wait, wait staff there, but, but leave them a track. This has got the information that will change their life forever, amen? Is it going to give them a full bank account? No. Is it going to make sure that all their health concerns go away? No. But through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, they'll have a peace that passes all understanding. And what a wonderful thing that is. Amen? Why would we keep that to ourselves? Let's share that. And uh, let's, let's make sure to invite someone to church and tell people about Jesus this week. Well, you're in the Gospel of John. We're in John 17. We're going to read all 26 verses here this morning. And you know, we are not going to get through all 26 verses. I have, I believe, five points, uh, maybe six. But I, I don't think we'll get through much more than two and uh, this morning. And that's okay, amen? We're not going to rush the work of God. We're not going to rush the study of God. Uh, but let's be praying together, if you would, as we, as we read. Let's stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God this morning. John chapter 17, starting in verse number 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Thou me in Thine own self with the glory which I had in Thee before the world was. I have manifested Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and Thou gavest me them, and they have kept Thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever Thou hast given me are of Thee. For I have given unto them the words which Thou gavest me, and they have received them and have known surely that I am come out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world." I pray not that Thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that Thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. As Thou hast sent Me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify Myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on Me through their word, that they all may be one as Thou, Father, art in Me, and I in Thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that Thou hast sent Me. And the glory which Thou gavest Me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and Thou in Me, that they may be made perfect and one, and that the world may know that Thou hast sent Me and hast loved them as Thou hast loved Me." Father, I will that they also, whom Thou hast given Me, be with Me where I am, that they may behold My glory which Thou hast given Me, for Thou lovest Me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known Thee, but I have known Thee, and these have known that Thou hast sent Me. And I have declared unto them Thy name, and I will declare it that the love wherewith Thou hast loved Me may be in them, and I in them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You this morning. We're so grateful for the truths of Scripture. Lord, we're grateful that we can have that blessed peace and rest as we just sang about a few moments ago. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that we have a friend in You and that You are the wonderful Counselor and that we can trust in You no matter what the decision, no matter what the direction. Lord, we can trust in You. Heavenly Father, we pray now for this time as we study Your Word. We pray that You would open our hearts and minds to receive what is being taught, what is being preached, what is being read. Lord, I pray that You would help us not to preach our own opinion, but to be faithful just to stick to the book. Lord, I pray that You would manifest Your knowledge to us this morning. Make it clear, make it known so that we can live a life that's pleasing to You. Lord, if there be one here that doesn't know You as their Savior, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, for those that do know You and have placed their faith and trust in Christ, and Christ alone, Heavenly Father, I pray that You would convict our hearts for souls like we've never been convicted before. We love You, Lord. We thank You so much for loving us. It's in Christ's name and for His sake we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the reading of the Word of God. The- Lord's Prayer is what I've titled this. Now, I know this isn't the standard Lord's Prayer. Amen. If you look with me at Matthew chapter 6, let's go over there real quick. Keep your place here in John. And uh, we're going to be doing a lot of Scripture turning. Amen. And uh, Matthew chapter 6. Look down at verse number 9 with me. Matthew chapter 6 starting at verse 9. This is what is typically referred to as the Lord's Prayer. This is often what is quoted As the Lord's Prayer, and after this manner, verse 9, Therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, that's a very good prayer, amen? And there are a lot of people that preach and teach that we should just copy and mimic this prayer. And we're not going to take the time this morning because that would take a very long time. But I want us to understand that this prayer was given to the the disciples during a time and to be the prayer that they were to model that would prepare them for the future coming of His second advent. Now, that's important dispensationally to understand, amen? Now, does that mean that it's wrong to quote? It's never wrong to quote Scripture. Amen? Ever. I I encourage all of you to commit it to memory. Amen? Know the Lord's Prayer. But we need to be able to explain the context of it. And the context of this prayer, this is a very Jewish prayer. Amen? It's a very Jewish prayer. And it's very specific to the Jews. Let me ask you, has the church replaced Israel? No, it has not. Romans teaches us that blindness in part has happened unto Israel. Amen? Amen? till the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Does that mean everything Israel does is right? No. But they're still God's chosen people. Amen. They're the apple of His eye. Now that's all important. That's all introductory. Amen. Go back to John now. John chapter 17. I wanted us to notice why I'm calling this the Lord's Prayer. Because this is the prayer. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed for you. Amen. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed For you, verse 20 of John 17, Neither pray I for these alone, talking about His disciples that were with Him, but for them also which shall believe on Me through their word. Who's the there? The disciples through their word. It's very important that we recognize this. We're going to break down this prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father on behalf of His followers. That would be the disciples in the immediate context and us in the overflow context because He's praying not just for His disciples, but Jesus is praying for us. Now that's encouraging. Amen? If there's anybody that I would want praying for me, it would be Jesus Christ. Amen? I I, I love to hear some of you pray. I love love to hear all of you men pray. I know that some of you have said before that oh I don't like to pray in in front of people. But look, you're you're not praying in front of people. You're praying to God. Amen? There's some things that you notice about John 17. There's not a lot of eloquent words that we would consider eloquent. Amen? This is very plain speech that Jesus used to pray and to petition for His followers on their behalf. And so never... Hey, friend, never allow anyone to make you think that you're less than because you don't have some vast vocabulary to pray before God. Because it's not in the words that we say. Amen? We have a spirit that makes intercession for us. Amen? So that's important that we recognize that. So never be afraid to pray. If anything, our children would do well if they'd hear Daddy pray every once in a while. Amen? Our children would do well to see Mama on her knees, calling out to God on their behalf every once in a while. Well, I just I don't really know how to pray. You you pray to God just as you're talking to your spouse. Amen. You go before them and you, you 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 pray to God and you talk to Him just like you would talk to a person in authority. But the thing that's greater is God has all the authority. Amen? Now, all that's just introductory. Most of us are familiar with this, this, these prayers in the Word of God. How many of you have ever heard the, the prayer of Jabez? You know that, that prayer of Jabez? Bruce Wilkerson back in the early 2000s uh, led many to fashion their prayer after Jabez there, and uh, I believe in 1 in Chronicles chapter 4, uh, somewhere in there, in that genealogy. But here's the thing that, that, that I'm concerned with, with fashioning our, our lives after that prayer. That prayer is directed towards material blessings. It's directed towards material blessings. And if we were to look at 1 Chronicles chapter 4, where Jabez prayed that God would enlarge his coast and would give him blessing, they're material blessings. Now does God bless his people materially? Yes, He does. But in this church age, how is He primarily focused? He's not concerned. What is God's main concern? It's not our material wealth. It's our spiritual health. It's not what we have physically. It's where we are in our spiritual growth. That's what God is most concerned with. And so in our passage, we're going to notice there are five specific things that Jesus requested of the Father for His followers. Five things this morning. Uh, we're going to take the next few uh, services probably to recognize the importance of these truths and hopefully, this is the goal, we'll start to structure our prayer around the prayer of Jesus. Not around what we think is, sounds good and flashy but around what Jesus prayed. I think if we're going to fashion our lives, our prayer life after someone, it ought to be after the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's look this morning. Number one, I want us to notice that he prays for the knowledge of God's glory. The knowledge of God's glory. Jesus' prayer starts off with the focus that should inundate our lives, and that is the glory of God. The, the glory of God and how it should be magnified. What is glory? Well, glory is defined as praise or ascribed, uh, praise ascribed in adoration, honor. That's what glory is. Honor, praise, fame, renown, celebrity, all of those define glory. Jesus prayed that God would be glorified, given honor and the praise that's due to Him in heaven through the Son as God was glorified in the earth. Notice verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Now we've studied that hour. That hour is the hour of His death. It has come. It is here Remember, chapter, I believe it's 13 through verse 17, deal with a 24-hour period leading up to the arrest, the the, the crucifixion, and the burial, and the resurrection. It's a 24-hour period. Chapter 17 uh, will end that 24-hour period and bring us into the next coming days of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Look at verse 1. The hour has come. Glorify thy Son that thy Son also may glorify thee. Now we know, if we jump down to verse 4, we know that Jesus has already glorified the Father on earth. I have glorified Thee on the what? The earth. How did He glorify Him? I have finished the work which Thou gavest Me to do. Now we'll get to that in just a moment. But Jesus was praying that God would glorify Him, the only begotten Son of God, in all of heaven and in all of creation... As He glorified Him on the earth. Establishing, not establishing because it wasn't already established, but establishing the knowledge to the whole world that Jesus is God in the flesh. That's what he's praying for. The glory of God would be magnified. Verse 2, as thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given Him. Now notice verse number 3. This is eternal life, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. That That they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 10. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 10. The only true God. I want to look at this only true God reference. Jeremiah chapter 10. I want us to notice something. Where do we find eternal life? Oh, well, it's through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, yes, that's who gives us eternal life. But notice, it comes from something greater. It comes from the knowledge of God and Jesus. But not just of God, but that He is the only true God. He's the only true God. You see, it's it's imperative that we recognize that there is no other way to the Father but by Jesus Christ. There's no other way to heaven but by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you could go to heaven on your own merits, if you could go to heaven on your own uh, works or on your own goodness, then Jesus died in vain. If you could get to heaven without Jesus Christ, then He had no need to come and to die and be buried and resurrected. If there are many roads that lead to one God, then Jesus didn't have to come and die. Amen. We must recognize this. There is Listen, all other Gospels aside from the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ are false Gospels. And they're leading people to an eternity away from God. Look at Jeremiah chapter 10. Look down about verse 10. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God. For an everlasting and an everlasting king at his wrath, the earth shall tremble and the nation shall not be able to abide his indignation. The nation shall not be able to abide his indignation. There is a astonishing, there's an astonishing amount of misrepresentation when it comes to the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament and how they differ because the God of the New Testament is love and the God of the Old Testament is judgment. Friend, they're the same God. Jesus Christ, the righteous God in the flesh, judged those that rejected Him just as God the Father judges with wrath those that reject the Son. You see, God is a God of judgment. Remember, and again, I've got i got to filter through what's important for what we're talking about this morning. We'll be running rabbits all day. Amen. I try not to run rabbits uh, as best as possible. I want us to stay where we're at. But what is the number one character trait of God that He wants to be known by? His holiness. Not His love. God is first and foremost a holy God. He will never love so much as it causes Him to be unholy. But on the other side, He will never judge so much as it causes Him to be unholy. His judgment and His love are perfectly complete and balanced in His holiness. He is the holy God. Now notice Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse number 10. The Lord is the true God. He is the living God. And an everlasting King. But then we notice the rest of the verse, at His wrath, the earth shall tremble. The Bible tells us that God is angry with the wicked every day. This is the only true God. This is the knowledge that the world needs of God. That He is angry with the wicked. But that He loves. He loves His creation. And while He is angry with sin and He has to judge sin... He has given them a path to eternity through His Son, Jesus Christ. John chapter 17, and verse 3. This is eternal life that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. If you ever wonder if someone that you love, whether or not they're saved, take them to 1 John. Or don't even take them there. Just quote it. Ask them, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? If they say, well, he was a good person, you know, he's a historical figure, he was a good prophet, you know, good teacher, then they're probably not saved. Because the Bible says that those that know God, they know Jesus. And they recognize that Jesus and God are one, that Jesus is God in the flesh. That's what differentiates us from the rest of the world, that's what differentiates us from the rest of the religions around us. It's imperative that we understand the knowledge of the only true God. And that's what Jesus Christ came to give. Notice this eternal life. Now verse 4, I have glorified Thee on the earth. How did He do that? He tells us, I have finished the work which Thou gavest Me to do. What is the work that was given? How did Jesus glorify God on the earth? Look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6. This is one of those, ser- well, all of the sermons we use the Bible, amen? Because if it's not the Bible, then it's not preaching. Just period. That's, that's just the way it is. You don't come to hear me tell stories. You don't come to hear me tell my opinion. I want to see what the Bible says, amen? That's what we're here for. That's the only thing that matters in this life. Look, I'm going to fail you at some point, if I haven't already, amen? Been here four, four, a little over four years, four and a half, somewhere in there. I've probably failed you at some point. I've probably made you mad, and that's okay. This church isn't built on me. Amen? It's built on Jesus Christ. And so it's important that we see what He says. We need to learn what the Scripture says. And then if I disappoint you, that's okay, because you're not coming for me. You're coming to hear what the Bible says, and you're trusting that I'm giving you the Word of God. Amen? John cha- I hope I got at least one there. Amen. Amen? Amen. All right. John chapter 6, verse 29. I've apparently upset somebody this morning already. Amen? All right. John chapter 6, verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God. Now, this is always interesting because people say, Oh, I can work my way into heaven. Okay, well, here's the work of God. All right? That ye believe on him whom he hath sent. That ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Who is the him? Jesus Christ. Jump down to verse, look at verse 38. Same chapter, John chapter 6, verse 38. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will but the will of Him that sent Me. Jesus has established that He is the one that is sent, that He's referring to in chapter 6 and verse 29. Verse 39, And this is the Father's will which hath sent Me, that of all which He hath given Me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of Him that sent Me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life. And I will raise Him up at the last day. The resurrection is the result of the work and the will of God. And that is how God the Father is glorified through the glorification of God the Son by the belief in Him that He is God. Back to John 17. So how is God glorified? By pointing people to the Son. And this is how we glorify God. This is how we glorify God. And this should model our prayer. In in this, we should model our prayer after Jesus so that we too may glorify the Father on earth through the Son. That we may glorify the Father on earth through the Son. Notice, it is only when we glorify the Father that people will come to a saving knowledge of eternal life. Only when we glorify the Father. Notice the phrasing of verse number 6, John 17. John 17. I have manifested Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest Me out of the world. Thine they were, and Thou gavest them Me, and they have kept Thy word. First of all, in verse number 6, I have manifested Thy name. Manifested Thy name. A quick word study in the Word of God would teach us, and, and I, I remember hearing this prayed a lot of my young life, and I went to a, a, a good Bible preaching church, but there, there was some Baptocostal in them, amen, a little bit, amen. I'm not against saying amen and shouting, but we're, we're here for this, amen, that's what we're here for, we're here to hear this, alright, not to see, you know, someone run into a pole, amen, that happened. I was at church, we were in service one time, and, and everybody was getting all worked up by the music. And somebody went and started to make laps around the church. And, and in our church, where the walls are right now, there would be beams, and then the walls would be further out. And so the aisles were on the other side of the beams, but the beams stuck out a little bit. And so this man, boy, he got up to went, went to running. And then about the first lap, he went wham right into one of the beams and just fell down backwards. Amen. I remember at nine years old, I thought, well, obviously he wasn't trying to glorify God or he wouldn't have hit that beam. Amen. He must have been trying to show off or something. I don't know. We hit that beam. I'm, listen, I'm all for getting excited about the things of God. but you know, Amen. Amen. I'm excited about it. I think it's a good thing for Charles getting ready to get up and run laps. Amen. Clear out the beams. All right. Let's watch out for them. But we're here for this. We're here to grow in grace and truth and the knowledge of God. And so I remember hearing people pray, God, manifest Yourself. Manifest Yourself. What does that mean? To manifest Yourself. Jesus said, verse number 6, I have manifested Thy name. Well, a quick study in the Word of God, because the best commentary on Scripture is Scripture. And we've looked at this word before. If you were to look at the word manifest in your King James Bible, you see that manifest simply just means to make clear, make known. And so when Jesus said that I have manifested Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest Me, what is He saying? I have revealed to them clearly who You are. I have made known the Father to My followers. I've manifested Thy name. Why? Because up until this point, there had been some 400 years of silence before John the Baptist came on the scene. It was prophesied all the way back in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah. That if they turned their back on God, there would be silence and they would not hear from heaven. That's exactly what happened. And You had the Pharisees and the Sadducees and you had the religious elite of that day that corrupted the very Word of God that was given to Moses and the law of God and they added religiosity and they added man-made practices and man-made laws and they called it the Talmud. And they started to practice those man-made religions, that man-made law over the Word of God, over the law that God had given to Moses. And they corrupted the law. And according to the book of Second Corinthians, Paul says that when we change the law of God, when we change the Word of God, we make it of none effect. None effect. That's exactly what happened. And so what did Jesus have to do for His followers? He had to teach them who God really was. Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees had changed God into something that He was not. Notice, I have manifested Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest Me out of the world. Thine they were, and Thou gavest them Me. And they have kept Thy Word. Look down at John. Go to John 10 quickly. John 10. I appreciate whoever fixed that clock for us. I think you made it five minutes fast. Maybe you all were trying to tell me something. Amen. <laughs> I looked at my clock and I looked up and I went, oh man, that's what I get for teasing everybody for not having digital clocks last week. Amen. John chapter 10. Look at verse 27. If you do all, all right, say amen. amen. All right. I believe it. All right. Verse 27. John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. What is He teaching? Remember, this is the verse 6 where it says, Thine they were, thou gavest them Me, and they have kept Thy word. Thou gavest them Me. You belong to God if your faith and trust is in Him. My Father, verse 29, John 10, which gave them Me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of My Father's hand. I... And my Father are what? One. Notice the response. Because the Pharisees knew. The religious elite knew exactly what Jesus was saying. Look at verse 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone Him. Why? Because in their eyes, Jesus was just a man who was saying that He is God. And that was blasphemy. To them, He deserved to die. Because He said He was God. But in John chapter 17, we realize in the prayer of Jesus to the Father that He was making known to the whole world who God is. Notice the latter part of verse 6. They have kept my, thy word. Look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Very familiar. We quote it here often. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. They belonged to the Father because of what they did with the Word. What they did with the knowledge that was manifested unto them of who God was. The Word that Jesus spoke. That is what caused them to belong to the Father. And it's the same thing, by the way, as we'll see in just a moment, that causes us to belong to the Father and the Son as well. Romans chapter 10. Verse 17, so then faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So how are we saved? By grace through faith. How do we obtain faith? How does our faith grow? How does it begin? How is the seed planted? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Can I share something with you? No one has ever gotten saved that didn't first hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ever. So now wait a second. Wait a second. Wait, wait. You're telling me that they have to hear the gospel in order to get saved? Yes, because what is their faith in? The gospel. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. I'll prove it. Amen? As I say, don't take my word for it. Search the Scriptures and see if these things are so. Ephesians chapter 1. Down about verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, verse 13, in whom ye also trusted. So they trusted in Christ. After, after what? That ye heard, heard what? The word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Well, I don't believe that. Well, that's okay but that don't make you right. Amen? This isn't what I'm saying. We're just reading the book. Notice what it says. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the Word. You can't trust a Word that you've never heard. Amen? It's not possible. After that ye heard the Word of truth, and the Word of truth is defined for us here in this verse as the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. All right. so here, let's look. We're just reading the verses. How do you come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Your faith has to be placed in Him. Amen? How do you learn about Him? Through the Word. At the moment of salvation, what happens? According to verse 13, after that ye believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit. When? Immediately. Let me share something with you. There's no such thing in the Scripture as a second indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Ever. Ever. It's not in there. The book of Acts, which we're getting ready to start if we finish the Gospel of John sometime before the Lord comes back. I know we've been here three years... I promise we're almost done. We're almost to the end. Amen. We're up to Jesus' prayer. We're going to see His arrest. We're going to see His crucifixion, His resurrection. And then we're going to look at the, uh, the, the epistle, uh, the Acts of the Apostles. And I think it'll be interesting for us because that is the, the, the transition from Old Testament to New Testament is the book of Acts. Things are changing because of the death of the testator according to Hebrews chapter 9. But in Ephesians chapter 1, we learn that after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. How do we know that happens immediately? Because the Holy Spirit of promise is the earnest our inheritance, of our inheritance. It is the payment. Amen? Remember we've talked about that. When you buy a home, what do you have to put down? Earnest money. Do you get that money back if you back out of buying the home? No, you do not. That belongs to the realtor, the banker, or whoever else has their hand in it. Amen? It's their money. It's earnest money. That's what the Spirit is for us. He's the earnest of our inheritance. So even if God, which He can't by the way, but if God changed His mind and decided, I don't want anything to do with this creation any longer, we have been given the earnest of the Spirit. And you know what happens? That can't be taken away. We have the Holy Spirit Comforter abiding with us that gives us understanding according to John chapter 16. All of that in whom you trusted after that you heard the Word. Back to John 17. Notice. You say, what does this have to do with the knowledge of God's glory? Because prior to salvation, you have no knowledge of God's glory. You have have zero knowledge of God's honor, His esteem, His praise, His fame, His celebrity, all that is ascribed to Him. You have no knowledge of it. Why? Because you don't believe it. But at the moment that you put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone, at that moment, you've been given the Spirit of God, the Comforter, that would show us and teach us all things. And Jesus prayed, here, here, thanking God the Father that he was able to glorify him and asking God to glorify now notice notice look down at verse 9 or verse 8 now verse 7 let's go back amen now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee so his followers that you and i recognized because of the manifestation of the Word of God made clear to us, known to us, and us accepting or us placing our faith in Christ, in Christ alone, that He is God in the flesh, we have now been made known that all things whatsoever Thou, God, has given to Jesus are of God because they're one. Verse 8, I have given unto them the words which Thou gavest me. So the Father gave the words to the Son. Who did the Son give the words to? To us, to His followers. As the Father gave the words to Jesus, Jesus gave them to us. Now let's look at the word. And they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee and they have believed that thou didst send me. You see, it's all about what you do with Jesus after hearing the word. Now, let's keep going. Verse 9, I pray for them. If there's ever a word of encouragement in the life of Jesus Christ aside from the truth of His death, burial, and resurrection, it's that phrase right there. I pray for them. God, God the Son, prays on Your behalf. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why this had to happen. I don't know why I had to lose my job. I don't know why the stock market fell. I don't know why I got sickened to death. I don't know why my dad died. I don't know why my wife died. I don't know why my child died. I don't know any of that. But here's one thing I know is that Jesus is praying for me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which Thou hast given me, for they are Thine. Jesus prays for you. Verse 10, we're almost done. Verse 10, so how is God glorified? Through the Son by His followers that have the Spirit of God. All mine are thine and thine are mine and I am glorified in them. Let's look now. I am glorified in them. That's the phrase. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Look at verse 10. When He shall come to be glorified where? In His saints, and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed. In that day, now that's a time reference. We don't have time this morning to go over that, but we know in that day what it's talking about. You know what day it's talking about from verse uh, six uh, 5 down to verse 9. Fire uh, taking vengeance, punishment from every destruction. Now look at verse 11. Wherefore also we pray always for you. Notice, Paul, we pray always for you. Why? Because he's modeling his life after Jesus. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness, the work of faith with power. Verse 12, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified where? In you, and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord. Jesus Christ. How is this accomplished? How is God glorified today in the hearts of the believers? In you. Our responsibility is to bring glory to the Father through the Son by manifesting the name of the Lord to the world. Thus giving us opportunity to be a witness and giving the world opportunity to receive and believe and keep the Word. Notice. Back to John. John 17. An old deacon was leading in a prayer one time and using one of the stereotypical phrases that, that, that we often use. O oh Lord, touch the unsaved with Thy finger. Amen. Amen. Touch the unsaved with thy finger. And, and uh, as he uh, intoned this phrase and he internalized it in the middle of his prayer, he, he stopped short and he quit praying. And, and, and after a few moments, he, uh, people started to get kind of nervous and other members came to his side wondering if he was ill, thinking maybe something had happened to him. And he said, no, I'm, I'm fine, he replied. He said, uh, uh, but just as I was saying, uh, Lord, touch them with thy finger, it was as if something inside of me said, thou art my finger. You, I, we are saints of God. That's scriptural. We've looked at that. We've looked in 1 Corinthians. All that are saved are saints. So here's the question, and we're done. John chapter 17, all mine are thine, verse 10, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Does Jesus receive glory? In you. The knowledge, remember, the knowledge of God's glory. This knowledge of God's glory. It is what brings about eternal life. It's what manifests eternal life to us. It's what teaches us the eternal life that we can partake in. Has your life been changed so that you no longer glorify self, but you glorify Christ? Every head bowed, every eye closed.